Hey you, Nina here. This episode invites you to explore what it means to play with our triggers. I'm going to share a story with you about a wedding I attended in Spasswood, Texas this weekend, y'all. So have a journal on hand or a good friend to dialogue with what comes up for you in this episode. And if you can't play with this today, well, that's okay too. For now, I'm curious. You ready to play? Welcome to Triggered. Can we play with that? You know that moment when your emotions ramp up in an instant, leaving you feeling helpless, frozen, or out of control? In that moment, you've been emotionally hijacked, the very definition of triggered. And I want to ask you, can we play with that? I'm Nina L. Garcia, drama therapist and empowerment coach of Houston Creative Arts Therapy. Join me as we discover ways to empower you and the people who mean the most to you to transform hard conversations into teachable moments. Triggered. Real playful. Real respectful. Real empowered. Let's take a breath. Right off the bat, why is it important to know how to play with things? And what is it that I mean when I say play with things? I get this question a lot. Nina, what do you mean by play? Like, do you want me to play with this? How can I even play with this? Like, whoa, this is not funny. I get that. I get that. It's not about making things funny necessarily. It's not even about making them fun necessarily. When I want to invite you to play with things, what I'm inviting is the opportunity to engage with something in a different way. The opportunity to look at something, to be able to even look at something in a different way. To move the parts of it, whatever it is, to shine light on it in a different way. You may be noticing that there's a theme here with when we play with something, it's trying to look at it and experience it and engage with it in a different way way. So when I invite you to play with hard things, I want you to choose to lean in and engage even when it's scary. Triggers are funny, right? These are things that are attached to our identity pieces, right? Whether that's uh, skin color, language, race, ethnicity, nationality, gender, so on and so forth, right? Triggers are the things that are attached these pieces of our identity that we hold near and dear. Trauma that develops teaches us to avoid things. So when I get triggered, I want to avoid things. I want them to get away. I want to get away from them. But the reason why I invite you to play with triggers and trauma is because I want you to practice a different skill. I want you to practice not avoiding, which is a very valuable skill to have. I want to be clear about that. I want you to practice approaching. To play is to approach. And for all my therapists out there, this is approach behavior. That's what we're teaching here. So I am going to tell you a story about a wedding that I went to this past weekend. And there were, in particular, two identities that were on blast. And that is language and skin color. So if you're ready to dive in, let's do this thing. I am there at the edge of the Pedernales River. 
There are hills. This is Texas Hill Country. For those of you who don't know, Texas does have hills right in the center of the state. And it is gorgeous by the river. The sun is shining. The, the sky is clear. The river is like twinkling with like the sunlight hitting it. There's birds and the grass is green. And it's just a really lovely scene at this wedding in Spicewood, Texas. So I'm dressed to the nines. I'm there with my partner and our infant, um, who's actually a toddler now. And uh, she's dressed up. She's the flower girl. And we get on the, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? The little golf cart, right? We get on the golf cart and they drive us up. It's a, a man, uh, presumably identifying as white. And, uh, and his language is English. And as we get off, as we, you know, get off of this lovely ride up to the wedding venue, he turns around and he says, can I ask you a question? And he says it with a smile and there's a gentleness to it. And I say, sure. But listen, y'all, I already know what's coming. I've been speaking to her in Spanish as we got on the little buggy, as we go up the hill. And I know it's probably about that. And then he says it. When is it time to start speaking to them in another language? And there we have it. <laughs> Let's pause the moment here. When is it time to start speaking to them in another language? Already, this person, we're going to call him Bob. Bob is playing with this moment. Bob is playing with language. He has respectfully approached me and has engaged with me, a totally different person, not a part of his world, not from the city. And he has, has given me the opportunity to explore and play with this with him. So how I respond matters. But it's not all about Bob. Oh, no, no, no. It's also about me. So while Bob can play with this question in this moment, I have to ask myself, can I play with this? Because if I can't play with it, if you can't play with the moment, you might smile nervously, you might look away, or you might say nothing. These are general signs of not being able to play with something. It doesn't mean you'll always be that way, but it does mean in that particular moment that that's where your body is. It doesn't know how to play given the context of that moment. Let's say that I'm resistant to playing with it. I could respond with anger, with disappointment, with shame or disgust, right? If I'm resistant, if you're resistant, it might sound something like, how could you even ask me that question? Or what a stupid question. Or mm, I don't even know why you're asking that. You should really head to Google, right? All of those are resistant ways of responding. No judgment if that's where you're at, and you may not always be there. But just being able to notice whether you can play with it or not is going to be super important. So last but certainly not least, we went through if you can't play with it. We went through if you're resistant to playing with it. I want to flip the script if you can play with it. You might find yourself leaning in, engaging, and seeing if there's a way to build a bridge between you and that person in this potentially triggering moment so that you can see if it can be made teachable. What can you learn and what can they learn? So I go back to that. He asked me the question, when is it time to start speaking to them in another language? Now, <clears throat> it might occur to many of you that this is 
solid question, right? When is it time to start speaking to someone else, your child in another language? But here's my question to you. Let's say English is your first language. When is it time to start speaking to them in English? Genuinely. Do you wait? Do you wait until you think they can understand it? Or are you constantly speaking to them in that language, letting them sort of bathe, as it were, in the language, right? You're immersing them in that language, and that's important. So it's the same for any language. You start speaking to them as soon as you're able to speak to them in that language. And this may be a foreign concept to many of us in America, not all of us in America, because many of us have multiple languages in one household. But you think, oh, but Nina, how can you know? How can you know? Well, you can head to Google. There are lots of podcasts about it, lots of books, but also you don't even have to do any of those things. Let me throw a scenario at you, just like I did with the multiple languages in one household. If you were to go to another country and they had multiple languages in one household, would you expect them to only choose one language? That would be so silly, right? We would be like, why would you do that? I don't know why you would do that. Why would you limit someone's language capability? I don't know, y'all. <laughs> so we're playing with this. And so was this gentleman, so was Bob. And so in that moment, I, I said to him the very things that I said to you now, and I validated, I said, you know, that's such a good question. And I actually did some research in it myself um, and so on and so forth. Right. And so really building this moment, leaning in, engaging and seeing, is there a bridge here? And you know what, between Bob and I, there really was, there really was a bridge. And, and we both had a teachable moment there and we left I believe on really good terms. I was smiling. He was smiling. Um, I would be lying if I didn't say a little bit of me was shaken on the inside because I thought, you know, what if I don't say this correctly? What if I back off? What if I minimize myself and the narrative here that uh, Spanish, which is the language I was speaking to her, right, um, doesn't for some reason belong to be here or that it shouldn't be spoken first? But I didn't. I validated my story because my story matters. And so does Bob's. How he got there however he got there, led to that question. And I could play with it. And I was really glad that I did. So when you have moments like that, really being able to just check in with yourself and ask, can I not play with this? Am I resistant to playing with this? Or can I lean in and play with this? I'm going to give you another example. Are we ready for another example? All right, take you another breath in. Ah. <sighs> And let's lean in. So then I had another moment. I had gone in, we had eaten some food, and my little one wanted to go back outside where there were some swings and a little table sitting out there. It was just, oh gosh, y'all, this venue was so lovely. So I sit at the table and I take off my shoes. My feet are hurting, and I'm like rubbing my feet, and she's playing on the swing. And this couple comes over from the wedding party and they sit at the table and they're all smiles. And there's this one gentleman in particular. And I'm going to cast uh, this person as uh, a gentleman uh, in particular, just so we're clear. Uh, and I'm going to name this one Jerry. Jerry sits down at the table. And I'm going to be honest when I say I've got nothing but good vibes. He's been smiling at me and my child throughout the wedding. I've noticed him several times. Just good energy. And he says, man, you know, she looks just like you. And, um, you know, all these good positive things. And he's just watching her. And then he says it. And the line that he says is, you know, oh, she's got your hair. And 
Oh, she'll probably have your skin, too. Pausing the moment. What does that mean, right? Because in the moment in my head, I'm thinking, well, does she's going to have my skin? Like, she's my child. She's also her father's child, so she's going to be a mixture of our skin tones. It's not like she just got his or got mine. That's not how babies work, y'all, <laughs> right? So I'm playing with this in my head. And again, I find myself in another moment where I have to ask myself, can I play with this? Can I not play with this? And I'm sort of in that more neutral position or am I resistant to playing with this? It was such good vibes. And I really wanted to see, can I play with this? I want to find a bridge here, you know? And so I look at him and I say, genuinely, I said, well, of course she's going to have my skin. You know, I said, but even in this case, it wouldn't matter because both she, uh, not she, excuse me, both me and her father have olive skin tone, right? Even though you perceive him more as like white skin and, and me as darker, he does tan. He tans in sort of the same way I do, but let's be real. We're both two different humans. So it's a little bit different likely. And so, yeah, she's going to be a mixture, but uh, she'll still be an olive skin baby. <laughs> she won't be able to get away from that. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm laughing and and it's a, a good moment, you know, and I can't speak for Jerry, um, but we did leave the conversation smiling. And I hope, of course, that we felt that bridge uh, together and we're able to both come away from that moment with something. So, I want, I want you to lean in on this moment in particular, and I want to ask you, if somebody were to say to you, she'll probably have your skin too, what would it mean? What would it mean to you? Would it be a no-brainer? Or is there some risk that your child would not look like you? And how would that make you feel if they didn't look like you? What does it mean to say it if you're, in this case, a white man saying it to a Latina, me, right? Versus if I had uh, been a darker skin tone or identified as a black person or a brown person. What would that have meant if they had said it to me? Would I have taken it differently? Would it have been meant differently? There were nothing but good vibes in this, but I really want you to lean in and ask yourself, are you ready to play with these moments, whether it's with you or the person that you see whose child you're seeing for the first time and wondering, are they going to look like their parents? Whatever the case is, can you play with it? And how can you? We're nearing the end of the episode and I'm wondering, what's your takeaway? Hit me up on Instagram at Drama Therapist Nina. Let me know what you're playing with. You can also head to HoustonCreativeArtsTherapy.com slash podcast, especially if you're looking to submit your own moments for an upcoming episode. We're about to move into season three, y'all, and I'm going to need some people ready to have some conversations. <laughs> For those of you who enjoy a bit of self-exploration, I'll leave you with a question for this upcoming week. Ask yourself, am I someone who typically pulls away, typically goes neutral, or typically leans into hard conversations or uncomfortable moments? 
if you are the person who identifies as someone who is playful within the community, I want you to continue to play with hard things, to find those ways of engagement that say, hey, maybe there's a bridge here or a teachable moment here. If you are someone who does not identify as playful, you're like, no, Nina, I'm the resistant. I'm the resistant one. Of course, this podcast invites you to play with hard things because I want you to be more comfortable in the world that you live in. But if you are that person who's resistant, no shame. There's no shame for you here. There's only love for you on this podcast. But I want you to ask yourself, are you okay with being as resistant as you are all the time? And if not, what can you start to play with? Finally, if you're a person who's more on the neutral side, you say, man, I really don't know how to lean in or pull away. I just sort of freeze up. I look away. I say nothing, right? I I go speechless. Same invitation for you. How can we find ways for you to feel safer engaging with something? Because let's be real, y'all. I'm not inviting you to go into dangerous spaces, just so we're clear. I want to invite you to to play with scary things, things that feel scary, but they're not dangerous. Trauma and triggers tell us this is dangerous, get out or fight. But I want you to start playing with that idea of, is it really? Is this dangerous or is it just scary? That's what we planned for today, folks. Thanks for taking a minute to explore your triggers as a human. And if this has been helpful and you'd like to support Trigger Can We Play With That, please feel free to leave a rating and or review on iTunes as it actually helps other people find us in that algorithm when you do. (laughs) Otherwise, stay curious. (laughs) 